everyone. This is Melanie Hempe, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast. Every week, we show up to continue to equip you with what you need to move from being at the mercy of screens to a family that is strong. And in our world, we call that Screen Strong. If you are new, welcome. We are glad you are here. Thank the person that told you about this podcast. We want you to know that the mental gymnastics and all the conflict that can come from navigating the whole screen thing in your home can come to an end. There is a way out of the confusion and listening to our podcast is a positive step in that direction. If you are a returning listener and old friend, we applaud your consistency. We want to further equip you to be confident that you are doing your job well as a screen strong parent. Our podcasts have great content and we have wonderful guests, but they are only a small part of what screen strong has to offer We know that without a community, change will be very hard, if not impossible for you. So please take advantage of our new membership platform in the private community on our site. We have set up a non-social media forum. We have listened to you and we have delivered and we are so excited. And we also have our online parent course. If you are not familiar with that course, please, please check it out. It is fabulous. It will help you so much with the struggles that you may be having and or it will prevent the problems, the screen problems that can happen in your home. I have a great guest today and I love having guests like Laura. But before I bring her in, I just had something very heavy on my heart and I just wanted to share about what it was like when my daughter, who is now graduated from college, so mind you, this has been, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years ago when she was just coming out of middle school into high school. So just picture this. We are in high school. I have a teen daughter in high school. I have four children, three boys and my daughter. And so everybody already knows about my oldest son and kind of what happened to him. He He um, failed the experiment that we did on him to play video games too much to the point where he ended up dropping out of college. And that was very sad. And so, and he did drop out out actually just because of his gaming addiction. He had um, very good grades in, in high school. He, he was not one of those kids that failed out in high school. He failed out in college. So as a result of all of that, I decided we were not going to give my daughter a phone. She could have an old flip phone at the time. Flip phones were still a thing. But when she was in high school, I was not going to give her a smartphone. Everybody had a smartphone. All her friends had a smartphone. This was a very different tactic that we were taking, but I was over it. I had just been so devastated over what happened to Adam that I just told Melissa, we are not you know, it could be wrong, honey. I said, you know, and this could be like a really bad mistake, but I'm just telling you, I'm not doing it. (laughs) I am not going to give you a smartphone because obviously I didn't know what I was doing with the video game thing. And this whole thing kind of backfired. So you're not going to have a smartphone. We love you. You'll be fine. You know, hang in there. And she was fine. In fact, she was so totally more than fine. And I wrote my little book about it. If you want to go um, get that. It's just on our website, but she was so fine. And I, and I thought this is so easy, but what I want to share in my little story this morning is I remember so specifically, um, you know how you can just remember things like it just happened yesterday. And I remember going to a baseball game at our school and there were some moms sitting with me and Melissa was in ninth grade and the moms were sitting there And, you know, we're just talking about our daughters and about all the fun things that are happening. And they all started talking about the counselors that their daughter was seeing. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) what's happening? (laughs) What do you mean? You know, oh, well, who do you go to? Oh, well, who do you go to? Oh, we go to so-and-so. Oh, we go to so-and-so. And And I'm like, what are y'all going to count, like, what are you going to a counselor for? I mean, and we were good friends and we could talk about this. And, and, and I'll never forget the mom just looked at me and she said, Oh, well, all my daughters have different counselors for social media depression. And I'm like, 
what is that? Is that a thing? And and they're like, well, yeah. I mean, if your daughter is on social media, like she's going to be depressed. So she's got to have a counselor. And I was just sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? This can't be happening. Right. And I mean, it's not funny. I don't mean to, but I would, if I just remember that feeling like, really? So why do you have your daughter on social media if she needs a counselor to be on social media? I never really got an answer. They just kind of looked at me like, you know, I had three heads and I said, well, we don't have a counselor for social media because Melissa just doesn't have social media. So I guess we don't need a counselor. And they just looked at me like, what are you talking about? How is this possible? How can she not have social media? Everybody's on social media. And anyway, from that point, I thought she's never getting a phone. (laughs) You know, Melissa's story worked out really well. She spent a lot of her time in the gym and she actually ended up on a four-year scholarship at a D1 school as a college gymnast. So she did fine. She didn't really miss uh, too much. Um, I guess she missed a lot of depression and I guess she missed a lot of anxiety. And actually I followed up and spoke with one of the moms from that incident years later after her child had graduated and was in college and saw each other out socially. And I saw the mom and, and she's told me that her daughter was still in uh, counseling over all her anxiety. So I was so sad. So today what I'm telling you the story because I'm so excited about the guests we have, because our guest is going to give us a little more insight over kind of what this looks like and what's happening in this world of teenagers and social media. And so Laura Hickman, I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to dive in. And can you just share a little about your background and what you do? Because I just think it's so fascinating. Yeah, I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I have been in the field now for 17 years. And I'm also a mom of three daughters. They're currently 9, 11, and 13. So as I watched some of this unfold in my office, I became concerned not only as a therapist, but absolutely as a mother of girls too. I do primarily see girls in my office more than boys. So I definitely have a lot more talking points on the social media aspect than the video games. But, you know, like I said, I started my career in 2005 and the iPhone didn't even come out as we know until 2007. So I really feel like I've had a front row seat of watching technology advance and how it has unfolded in in my therapy office. And, you know, when I first started, I feel like my clients didn't even have phones. If they did, it was maybe a flip phone. And then I, you know, can remember it was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now, I remember this family coming in and the parents were so upset because their daughter was blowing up the family data plan. And she had like been like, sending and receiving over 300 text messages a day or something. And I remember thinking, what in the world would any child need to be like receiving and sending that many messages for? But then, you know, it has just slowly progressed. And then I had to talk to my first adolescent in my office about why we don't send nudes to a boy that we like. And, you know, and it's just like one thing after another. And then now, you know, I have these kids who are literally scrolling TikTok for nine hours a day and doing Snapchat. And I think back to that girl that was sending all those text messages. And while that was certainly not an ideal thing, like how benign that was compared to what these kids are being exposed to and doing now. I mean, she was talking to people she knew, (laughs) right? Versus like following all these, these people that, you know, your parents don't even know who these people are. And it's just such a different experience now. And so I really have watched this and I'm like, whoa, like what a transition has happened just in my small career time, you know? And so as I was watching this, I just kept seeing the slow progression of increased anxiety and depression, exactly like you were talking about, like so many girls coming into my office with anxiety and depression more than it had ever happened before. You know, before it was maybe like a divorce situation or a grief and loss or, you know, a major life transition that would bring kids into my office with anxiety and depression. But then it started being kids that were really successful in school and they were athletes and they were popular and they, you know, had healthy home lives. And then all all of a sudden they're still super depressed and super anxious and, and self-harming. And 
and I started seeing this and the common denominator I kept finding over and over again was technology and especially social media. Around 2018, 2019, I don't know, I started thinking like, I got to do something about this. I got to start telling parents about this problem. So I started doing some research and looking for information and it was hard to find information out there, honestly. But I just decided I was going to put enough together, whatever I could find to create a workshop to help educate parents on this topic. And I put a date on the calendar at my church. I thought I'll start there and do a workshop at my church. And it got put on the calendar and then COVID happened the same like, like two weeks before my workshop. And so I was really disappointed about that. But I think, you know, the timing worked out well, because in the middle of all of that, I was able to find Nicholas Kaderis's, um, he finally put out a class, a, like a continuing edu- education class that I took. And it was on tech addiction and digital health. And it was so beneficial. And it was through that he showed a portion of Screened Out, the documentary that you're in with him. And then that was also yeah. how I found you ultimately. So it was kind of like this perfect connection that I was able to make, but I was able to eventually go ahead and proceed with my workshop. I, I was a little hesitant to do it later that year because I thought, well, goodness, like all these families are now have been so dependent on their screens for, for school and to stay in contact with their friends and their family members. And I was questioning, should I still do this workshop? But, you know, as I thought about what I had seen in my office, even through COVID, I had seen social anxiety to levels I had never seen before. And I was seeing, I had 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 to hospitalize a couple of children, which is more than I normally have to do in that, you know, short time period. And I had taken my kids to the pediatrician for a well visit, one of them. And she just said, oh, I forgot you were in mental health. And she started asking me. And, you know, we had the same exact experience. So many children suffering terribly from anxiety and depression, from being forced onto those screens even more than they already were. It just exacerbated the problem. Yeah. And so I went ahead and proceeded on with my workshop from there on. And, you know, it's just one of those things as I see it. It's, it's kind of like what you always say when you know you, you do better. And I'm like, I know that yeah. this is happening and I just can't stay silent on this because our kids' brains and their lives are just too valuable to be silent on this topic. So I've become a very passionate speaker on it. <laughs> no, it sounds like it. It sounds like it's just something that you see, um, you know, every day, like you said, you're just in the, in the trenches. Hon- honestly, when you are on the front line like that, it is very hard to stay silent but I totally love your passion and I love that you understand what's happening and that you can share. So what does the typical patient look like or whatever? Like if you're dealing with social media, anxiety and depression, like, like I said, like that mom that talked to me years ago, I just was blown away. I'm like, is this a thing? Like, is this really real? Like, I, I mean, I didn't really know. I knew that the video gaming thing was a thing and I knew that was real, but, um, but it was like, is this really, I'm like, is this what's happening to our daughters that they have to be in like full-time counseling, you know, right. to be on social media? And I guess that's not really true of everybody, but just talk about a general kind of profile of a case that you might see in your office. Yeah. You know, like you said, it is actually strangely very common for kids to be in counseling. And it's just such a different experience. When I think back to my time in school, I, I don't know hardly any of my friends who ever went to counseling, but nowadays it's, it's almost, I don't want to say a trend, but it kind of has become like kids go to school and they talk to their friends about what their therapist tells them. And then my kids tell me this, like, well, my, this friend sees this person and this friend sees this person. And we talk about what you guys tell us. And it's so interesting because I, that really is shocking to me. Not that I think that it's bad to get help. Obviously that's my career and that's what I've gone into, but it's interesting that it has become almost like a normal thing that, you know, people yeah. just go to counseling. Well, and I remember thinking, okay, we have a dentist, we have a pediatrician <laughs> and we have a counselor, like, and we have a tutor, right? I'm like, what? you like, you know, like you said, like growing up, you might've gone to the dentist once a year right? <laughs> and you had, you know, a, a physical once a year, but what is this with all the extra uh, people that we're bringing in, well, that that's a little bit of a red flag. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's probably two sides to it. I think one is parents are just at a loss because they don't know what 
to do with this because this is a relatively new problem. You know, like I said, 10 years ago, it was the data plan and now it's this. And so I think mm-hmm. parents have kind of, I don't want to say asleep, but like just un- unaware of the impact that it's having. So I think that it's important that we you know, continue to shine the light on this situation so that they can see. But I will say that one of my struggles is that I do feel like sometimes it's hard to get parents on board. And I don't know if you have that experience as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely is. Um, And I'm sure, you know, if you just talk about when you have a, a, a client that comes in and they're struggling with all this, it is it is very hard to get mom and dad like, you know, in sync with what's happening. And that's why we we did our course, you know, we designed this educational course and we do have counselors out there that use the course for homework mm-hmm. for their clients. So, you know, for parents to say, you know, just tell the parents, hey, look, go do this course so I can get up to speed with you on the language and just try to under- you know, help you understand what's happening because it is kind of new. And so that's, you know, definitely why I put the course together to just give parents the basics of what's happening to the brain. And, you know, like I said, just the language around it, like most people don't understand even to be able to talk to a counselor. But I, I think that it's fascinating in a bad way that parents, and I'm not throwing parents under the bus. Let me tell you, I'm a parent too. Right. You know, absolutely. Me too. Me too. I know. I just think it's really sadly fascinating that we feel like we are not equipped and that we cannot help our kids because I really believe that, and I know you do too, that relationship with the parent is way more important than a relationship with a counselor. Even though the counselor can jump in and help get things back on track, your job as a parent should always be to get this relationship back Mm -hmm. together in sync with your kids. And if you get that attachment back, because I think when the counselors come on board while they are needed, for sure, it kind of puts parents in the back seat. Okay, so a girl comes in, she's telling you she's got anxiety. Do you tell her to get rid of her phone? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, how does that work? Yeah, so usually, you know, I'll, you know, I don't always start with guns blank, uh, blazing at them, but I typically will just, you know, ask a lot of questions, find out, well, what does it look like? When does it happen? You know, all the no- kind of normal questions. But inevitably, I will always come back around and I'll say, this is, this might seem unrelated, but I want to know how much time do you spend on your screen and what do you do on your screen? What does an, an, a normal evening look like? They might be in an extracurricular, but so many of them just, they come home from school. Sometimes they take naps because, you know, they've been up late into the night on their screens. A lot of times, you know, they'll come home and they'll spend time scrolling and just they'll say like, just, you know, looking at things or whatever. And then they'll usually maybe do homework some of them eat dinner in their rooms, like on their devices. I mean, it just is, that is heartbreaking to me because I, I love our family dinner time, um, as a family, but yes. And so, you know, they just, they spend so many hours on their screen and then they end up going back to their room and after dinner and they, they just do it all, all more. And, and they think that they're, they think that they're connected to their friends. They think that they're, you know, doing what makes them happy and they just cannot see how detrimental what they're doing is to their, you know, their emotional well-being. And trying to convince a child to come out of their room and hang out with their family is really hard. They don't go for that very much. And so I have to really try to educate them and try to explain to them. But as we've said before, it's addicting. Like kids aren't going to just naturally be like, you know what, like, I mean, maybe there's a few kids that would, but in general, they need help. They need a parent that's going to be like, no, like we are done with this. You're taking this away. So that's where I really try to then bring the parents in and try to get them as part of this, the equation. And so then I try to really start educating the child and the parent together. And like I said, sometimes it works really well and the parents are really willing to, to make steps. You know, I'll ask the kid, like, what if I told you that I would like you to take it? a one week detox or just a one week fast from all of this. And I mean, usually they don't feel like they can do it. And then the parents, like I said, I I do struggle getting parents to be willing to do it too. (laughs) As a mom myself, like if I felt like my child was being negatively impacted by something, I would hope that my mama bear side would be like, okay, like I'm trying this, you know, but it is, it's really hard because I think so many parents probably are somewhat addicted themselves. And I think some parents are afraid. I mean, there's a lot of kids who are self-harming and there are a lot of kids who are suicidal. And so parents are really afraid 
to to stand against their children because they're afraid that they're going to lose their children or that their children are going to to self-harm. But what I wish parents knew is that when they took these things away, if they replaced it with time with themselves, time with them, quality time with them, children don't get worse. Like that is a recipe for success, not for worse, you know, and I just wish that parents could see that and believe that. And I think that's one of the things that your course really does is I think it does a great job of educating parents about the impact that this is truly having on their child's brain. Like this is not something your child is even choosing to do. At some point it becomes an addiction, you know, and that's such an important thing that parents see. And knowing that addicts don't typically recover on their own, they need help. And that's what these parents have to view their role as, is as a helper of their children. And they have to understand that when you know better, you have to do better. And that that's what we say here, you know, all the time, because I think parents feel bad. They're like defeated coming in because they handed over all the stuff. They thought they were doing the right thing. Nobody means to hurt their kids. And so we get blind spots. And, you know, we talk about that a lot here mm-hmm. about the blind spots that are really easy to form. And you love your kids so much and you see this is a the thing they they really, really love. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to take it away. And I went through this a lot with my son. It was like his favorite thing. So there's just a part in me that was really not understanding how I could even take it away. But that is where parents get stuck. They are scared their kids aren't going to like them. They're scared they're going to hate them, right? And they're scared they're going to run away and they're scared they're going to do terrible things. But what I think parents don't understand is they have to get out of the quicksand because when the parent and the child are both in the quicksand of this denial world they're living in, nothing is going to change. And if you don't change it, it's never going to change. Right. Nothing is ever going to get better. And I think they come to you to say, fix this problem. And I, you just must get so frustrated because how in the world can you fix it? You can't fix it if they're not going to change. And really the only thing to do when you're dealing with an addictive thing uh, activity or substance is to get away from it. You, you can't learn how to, you know, gamble if you have a gambling problem. Right. You, it, it's just counter to everything else in medicine that we know. Right. Exactly. And if you're like, if you're allergic to, you know, yellow jackets, you know, or, or peanuts. I mean, you, you just, you just really can't eat peanuts, right? (laughs) You can't say here, son, keep eating the peanut and try to will the allergy away. Exactly. (laughs) It's impossible. Exactly. It's impossible. Yes. And you know, it's, it's interesting. I I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a storyteller, like a, a imagery person. And I don't even know why this thought came into my head this morning, but you know, it, it did. And so I'm just going to share it because maybe it came into my head for a reason. But there was this movie that my sisters and I watched when we were young and we would, it was kind of a cheesy girl movie. And it was about these girls that were orphans. <laughs> and there's this rich businessman, you know, and he like was going to adopt them. And it was, I mean, think Annie or something like that, but he was going to kind of bring them in and it was a good deal for, you know, it looked good for his image or whatever. And then these girls, um, one of them just didn't feel loved by him because obviously he wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And so she decides that she's going to leave halfway through the movie and she's going to go off with her boyfriend to this bar or whatever and uh, his motorcycle gang. So they end up in this bar and the guy comes looking for her to try to like, you know, get her out of danger and things. And so he shows up and, you know, she's getting ready to drink this, this alcohol as he walks into the room and he says to her in this movie, he says, Nina, put that down. And she's just sitting there. And then, like, everyone asks her, like, who's he? And she's like, how should I know? You know, because she's mad. And then he says it again. He yells, Nina, put that down. And anyways, an ultimate, like, you know, there's a bar fight. And, like, he, you know, he ends up coming away with the girl. And then there's, like, this tender discussion in the movie. It's kind of the first tender moment of the movie. And, you know, they have a conversation. And as she's walking away from him in this conversation, she turns back and she says, you know, when you told me Nina put that down, I know I didn't act like I liked it, but I did. And I just think about that story. And whenever we'd watch this movie with my dad, he would always cry. (laughs) And I remember my sisters and I thought it was kind of funny that my dad would cry at this. But, you know, it's because I knew that my dad would be like willing to go to the fight for us, you know. And I feel like that is what kids want. They want a parent that is going to fight and like 
go to bat for them, you know, and like stand up for them. And so I don't know, like I always, that thought just came into my head this morning. And I thought, I just think some parents need to know, like your kid wants you to fight for them. I believe that a hundred percent. I can't say it enough. And if you're a parent in the quicksand right now, you're thinking you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) but it's true. It's true. Deep down, everybody wants to be wanted Mm -hmm. really bad, right? That's our primary psychological need as humans. We want to be wanted and we mostly want our family to want us. And when you give phones and social media over to your girls, it, it sends a really loud message. I mean, it's a loud and clear message that just, um, is not a positive message. It is here do this. I think that you can do this. I think that you're strong enough to do this. And I think that all these people that are going to ultimately be out there with your, you know, not with your best interest in mind, um, that this is kind of what I think is good for you. And they don't want it. They don't want to be compared. They don't want to have to look at all of the stuff that's confusing their whole identity development. They want you so badly to take it away. And yet most parents don't understand. And so we're not throwing parents under the bus. Mm-hmm. We're just saying, parent, you have to get up to speed on this. If you are going to give your daughter something that is going to ultimately cause so much pain and suffering to the point where they're going to need a counselor one day, this is probably not a good idea. In fact, we know it's not a good idea. And, and that's, that's where, you know, you come in and every day you see it. And if we were a fly on the wall in your office for one day, we would probably solve this problem, right? Because right. because if every parent could see what you see every day, right. they would they would just say no more. But they don't see it. Mm-hmm. And it's our job to reveal that, to explain the risk. Because there and even if you just think, even if you know you you think, Laura, so okay, so there is a possibility that there are kids who who can get on all this stuff and not have any problems. But there's still always not just a risk, but there's a reality to what they are going to have to deal with. And you don't really know what that is as a parent. You don't know what they saw last night on their social Mm -hmm. media that's going to affect them the rest of their life. There will be mind blowing things that happen that you as a parent never even know. Absolutely. And yeah, these things that they are seeing and getting um, exposed to that most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. And and it will be something that just changes them, mm-hmm. you know, just changes mm-hmm. their opinion about something, their thoughts, their views, you know, because, you know, that anchoring bias, the first time you see something is the thing that sticks. It's very hard to remove that first time uh, revelation or exposure or just the first time that your kid un- sees something or reads something. If you're not there, to explain that particular topic the way that you want to explain it using your values, then it's kind of chiseled into their brain at that point. And it's very hard to undo what they've seen and heard. And it's very, very hard to undo the pain. And that is your job. And I, my, my hat is off to you because <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I'm better on the prevention side. <laughs> I'm going to stay in my lane over here and you're going to go help all the people on the front line. Yeah. And you've got two patients, you've got the teenager and you have the parent. Right. And you know, it's, it's exactly what you said is exactly right. It is really startling if parents could only see like what is going on in their kids' feeds, you know, they would probably be appalled, some of them. But I think that they just don't know. And kids are so good at hiding it, you know. And I mean, I don't, I definitely do not know all the hacks, but I know that kids have so many little secret folders and pockets and places where they can delete things and look. Oh my goodness, like it's a full time job just trying to keep up with that, which is why it's easier just not to have it at all. And it frees you up as a parent and it gives your child a chance to go outside and have a life. I see these kids and they're struggling with self-harm or whatever. And I'll ask them like, where did you get that idea? Or why did you do? And they'll say, I saw someone do that on TikTok, you know, or I'll ask them like, why they don't think highly of themselves. You know, I've had fifth grade 
girls sitting in my office saying they don't like their legs or they don't like their face. And I'm like, this is heartbreaking. Like the, the comparison that they do to themselves with the body image and all of these things, you know, it just, even if they come out without needing therapy, like you said, there's still like so many things that are going on in their minds as yeah. they look at all these images and, you know, they're, it's affecting their self-esteem. It is affecting so many things that you don't even know. And, you know, these kids go to these dark places in the middle of the night on their phones and the parents are sleeping in the next room unaware of what is happening in their child's bedroom. And it's so hard. I just, like you said, like I see it and I just wish every parent could see what I do. And, and it's hard, hard to do that. It certainly has changed the way that I run things in my own home. I can tell you that my children are like, (laughs) we're never going to get anything social media. I'm like, well, you're probably right about that for a long, long time. Like it's just, yeah, like we're not doing that. And uh, one of uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, her, one of her peers once told her, like, you're not allowed to have any devices in your room overnight. Like, man, your parents just must not trust you at all. And she goes, it's not that my parents don't trust me. They're just trying to protect me. And I was so like, that was such a good moment as a mom because I thought, oh, good. She gets it. She doesn't think that I'm trying to like ruin her fun or destroy her life, but she sees that it's an act of love. And so I was so mm-hmm. thankful for that. And, you know, she's such a happy kid. And I, and I just can't help but think that some of that is because we've been able to protect and preserve some of that innocence that she has not that we want yeah. her to living in a bubble and we, you know, we don't, but at the same time, man, like, why do you want to put that, all that stuff in your child's brain if it doesn't have to be there, you know? Well, and you need to talk about the bubble a second because I, I know for a fact that kids who are exposed to all of this really are the ones that are in this weird bubble. Your daughter is not in a bubble and my kids are not in a bubble and the Screen Strong kids are not in a bubble. They're out in the real world and they're just exercising all of their talents and mm-hmm. spreading their wings and there's no bubble involved. And I think that what you're doing in sort of raising your kids up in this home where they trust you, I always tell my boys, you know, I don't trust you. I, I don't trust teenagers. That's not my <laughs> job. My job is not to trust a teenager that, you know, trust is a, an adult character quality. Mm-hmm. It's not a teenage thing. I mean, that don't even, you know, give me that, you know, and they never say that to me because I, I think they've just known it's not a card they're going to play in this house about, you know, the trust thing. Um, and so parents, if you're listening, don't fall into that trap of thinking that you have to trust your kids. You do not trust your kids any more than you trusted two-year-old to run across the street, you know, the busy highway by themselves. Even if you explain, 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 it's not about trust. It's just about being smart. You, you don't do that. They're not old enough to be trusted. And teenagers are definitely not old enough. They're not wise enough. They haven't been alive long enough to be trusted with anything to do with social media at all, like at all, like it's not, and it's not their fault. It's nothing bad. It's not your fault. It's nothing bad with your family. It's just the fact you just don't trust teenagers with, you know, the loaded social media. It's, it's just not smart. It's has nothing to do with your, how you feel about your kids. So we have to get really clear on that with this topic. I feel very passionate about that. Cause I think a Because kids know, right? They know exactly what to do. They're going to just make their parents feel really bad and say, you don't trust me. (laughs) So the next time your kid says that, you just need to say, you're darn tootin', I don't trust you. And, uh, you know, when you're 30, maybe I'll trust you. (laughs) Or maybe not. I don't know. Right. (laughs) But but it is an adult thing. I just think that in in your situation, I just want to really encourage you that your kids are naturally growing up now to trust you more than they're trusting social media because they're not on social media. And that is our goal. We do not want our kids to trust the phone and TikTok and Instagram to solve all their problems. But that's really what we're doing because, you know, our actions speak louder than our words. So that's really what we're doing. We're actually handing that over and say, okay, during the most, you know, volatile time of your development where you're going to feel the rejection pain more at any other time when you're going to be insecure about your looks, when you're going to be really struggling with your identity, we're going to give you this thing so you can trust that instead of me. Whatever they spend their time with is what they're trusting, Mm -hmm. by the way. So your daughters are 
kind of growing up trusting you because you're spending more time with them. And so then when the stakes get really high, when they do get to be older teens and they start going to college, you're going to be so happy that they are going to come to you first. And y'all have heard me maybe talk about it on this podcast before about my daughter when she went to college and there was a big issue that had to be, you know, dealt with on campus. And she got her roommates together and they called me and my husband Hmm. to talk to us about it. And I like, I just cried. I was like, tears were just because I'm like, oh my gosh, it works. Like she's really calling us to ask us what to do and our opinions about all this. And it was like, oh my gosh, she trusts us with this very, very important thing. And that was so cool. And I want every parent to feel that. But that's because she didn't grow up on social media. And I think if she had grown up on social media, she'd have gone straight to social media to ask all the people, you know, what do you think about this? Is this right or wrong? And that was a real moment for me to understand how important it is to have a lifestyle for them when they're young, that they come to you for the answers to life's big questions and that they're not going to social media. And probably the majority, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but probably the majority of the patients you see, this is the problem. They're in the wrong place searching for the right answers in the wrong place. And they can't find the answers. And the answers that they are finding are wrong and it's causing pain and suffering in them. Right. Exactly. Yes. And it's interesting. Like I can tell you what is trending on social media without even going on it. (laughs) Just because like all of a sudden all the kids are talking about the same things or they're using the same terminology. It's such a gift that your daughter is coming to you. And that's exactly what I want for my children as they grow too. And it's because you know, like you said, you fostered this relationship. It's all about the relationship and it's all about yeah. developing that that trust and that connection with them. And like I said, sometimes that looks like going to fight for them. Sometimes that means being the mean guy and saying no. Yeah. Sometimes that means yeah. just sitting and listening and spending time. It, it takes time and it takes effort from a parent, which sometimes it's hard to come by as a parent. We're all busy, I know. And, you know, sometimes like, it's bedtime and, you know, I'm trying to get my kids to bed and I've had a full day and I just really want them to go to bed. And then they start talking to me and, you know, there's a part of you that's like, but you know, those are the moments that you just have to stop and be like, you know, they are talking to me and I'm going to be intentional about listening. And like you, I know you've talked about car time and things like that, you know, taking those opportunities that you have one-on-one with your children and pouring into them. It is so rewarding. And, You know, I think that, like you said earlier, it is so important that they're taking their values and their their worldview and their thoughts from you and not from these people, random people on TikTok or on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And to realize that trust is not a two way street right now. Mm -hmm. Your job as a parent is to get them to trust you and to replace all of that craving and need for searching for answers to re- replace you know, like you have to be their social media you cannot let them go there to get all these answers yeah. but it doesn't mean that and again it doesn't mean you don't love your kids it's just that tr- this whole the trust thing your job right now is a parent coach and we use the coaching analogy a lot your job is the coach right now in fact take your parent hat off and put your coaching hat on you want your team to trust you and you know my daughter was in gymnastics and if she didn't trust her coach, I mean, a hundred percent, if she wasn't a hundred percent trusting her coach, she would fall or she would break her neck. Right. So she had to have this trust for her coach, but did her trust or did her coach trust her? I don't know. Probably not. Like that, that doesn't matter that that's not, it's not our job to trust our kids on this stuff. And this is where we get in so much trouble. And this is where our kids get in so much trouble. They, in fact, I would say, and I'm just going out there on a limb, but I I think I would say that, that every kid who's in trouble on social media is on, is in trouble because they trusted social media, not their parent. Mm. It's, they put their trust in the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of profound when you think about it. So, and why do they do that? Because, Parents handed it over and the parents said, Hey, you can trust this thing right here. This little mini computer that I'm going to put in your pocket. You can trust that. And they can't, it's not trustworthy. So until your kids are developmentally, 
mature and wise, which we know is way into the late twenties, um, they just can't do this. We're just giving them, you know, a great tool at the wrong time. And again, that's where our course goes into all the detail on this. And I just think again, you know, the education is the entire key to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, and just like a coach, when you go to coaching school <laughs> and learn how to have a successful football team, you learn plays and you understand core exercises and you understand how the sport works and you understand strategy. And it's all the same. This is all the same thing. And, and the biggest kick is that for years and years and years of parenting, we just didn't have to know all this, mm-hmm. but now we do because these things are in our culture. Right. So it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's a good thing that we know that we know we have to know. So we have to, you know, get educated and, you know, while we love all the technology that we have, there is a flip side and with a lot of wonderful things comes a lot of responsibility and we cannot put this responsibility off to our kids. Right. We can't shove it over there and say, all of a sudden we're going to make you an adult faster like the $6 million man where I'm dating myself. We're going to build him stronger. We're going to, we can do it. Well, know what? We can't, we cannot do it. We cannot make our kids adults. And that's why they end up in your office every day Mm -hmm. because we're parents out here trying to force something that doesn't fit. So we are so happy that you are out there doing this work, you and all the other hundreds of thousands of counselors, or I don't know, there's a million of y'all out there. There's probably are more than that. Yeah. And there's going to have to be a lot more because we're in a huge crisis, a huge mental health crisis with especially our girls and, you know, boys, we have whole other issues with all that, but especially with our girls. So my goodness, thank you so much for coming on. And I know all these things are swimming in your head. I know you probably have a million other things to say. Is there anything that we can offer to our parents today to encourage them? What do you say is the way out? What's their ticket out? What's their path? What is the best thing for them to do? And how can you encourage them to do that? The first thing I would definitely say is to really, again, like, start focusing on your relationship with your child. It is never too late to start improving that relationship. And, you know, sometimes it feels, it feels really defeating and, you know, kids are not always the easiest to approach. Um, Sometimes they're angry. They can be rebellious. They can just be really kind of mean sometimes, you know, but as a parent, you do have the you have the responsibility, but you also have the skills. And I think so many parents just lose their confidence. And I, I want, you know, if anything, I would say more than getting your child counseling, sometimes it's helpful for a parent to go and have someone kind of helping coach them through the, the process. I sometimes I find my most productive sessions are actually with parents. And when because the thing is, I can tell a kid until I'm blue in the face that they have, to, you know, they should get off their their phones but if there's no one at home backing that up or like helping reinforce that then like nothing's going to change right and so I have to like have work on it as a team with a parent I just encourage you you know to find a community and you know Melanie's course is so good that education piece is critical because once you understand and once you know it gives you so much confidence to stay the course and to know that you're doing, you are doing the best thing for your child. I like to listen to your podcast each week. And though personally, you know, in my home, we don't have social media or, or whatever. We don't really struggle a lot with screens. It helps me keep my resolve. Like, nope, this is why we're doing this because I'm reminded each week, you know, from whoever you have on sharing, like, I'm like, yes, like it's encouraging to know that you're not alone and that you're not in this battle by yourself. And so, because it is really hard to swim the opposite way of of culture, right? And that is what we're doing when we are screen strong because the majority of parents and kids are online. It's just really important that you find people around you that are like-minded. And if those people, you know, you can't find them in your community, then find them here online, you know, with screen strong, because it has just been such a gift to find and to be able to offer this to parents. And it's been so rewarding to see the parents that do, do make the changes. I've seen 
kids that were so angry and so hostile in my office. And there was a couple, honestly, I didn't think that they were like, if they were beyond reach. And when they got those toxic screens out of their lives, it took a couple of weeks, but I saw these kids come around and like the parents with tears in their eyes would tell me, I have my daughter back. And that is just the most rewarding gift as a therapist to see like this transformation of this child that came in angry. And then she comes bouncing into my office and like plopping down on my couch and telling me about the things that she's doing with her siblings who like two months ago annoyed the heck out of her, you know, and she didn't want anything to do with them. And then now she's playing with them and interacting with them. And I just think, what a change, you know? And sometimes I call the, I tell the parents they have to be hound dog parents. They have to like, kids are so sneaky. And so you take one device and they'll figure out how to get on another device. And then they figure out how to access it from a kid, another kid at school. And they, you know, I mean, it is hard. And like, you have to do sometimes really hard things as a parent. Like I had one family that had to take their child out of, out of an, you know, an extracurricular event that she loved, but it was the only way that they could get her away from like all these these toxic screens and you know situations and she oh this girl was so so bad but I tell you what like I don't even see her anymore because the last time I saw her she and her mom they were doing so well their relationship was healthier than it had ever been and they were laughing and joking in the in the waiting area and I just thought this is what you know I wish every parent could see like these parents were hardcore like after this girl you know man the transformation incredible and that's just what I want parents to know, like, you can do this. And, you know, if you need help, then that's part of what Screen Strong does is it offers help and support for parents. But the, the what you get on the other side is so worth the fight. You are so encouraging. And I just want everybody to know that where you are right now, if you're just like in this desperate despair situation, it can get better. It will get better, but it takes some work, but it will get better. So I just want to give everybody hope, just the encouragement and like everything that Laura's talking about today. I want you to get the reality, but I also want you to get the encouragement that you can get your kids back. It is what every parent's dream is to have this really close connected relationship with their kids. And we know there's going to be bumpy roads and potholes, and we know it's not going to be easy all the time, but to just exit childhood and to say, wow, we had a great experience. That's what we want. And if these phones on any stretch of the imagination, any way, shape or form, if these phones are not contributing to your relationship with your child, you just have to get rid of them for now. Don't believe the culture that says they're going to binge and go crazy and they're not going to know how to use it. And you're hurting them. You are not hurting them. We have way too much research on this now, plus every mom and dad out there knows that this is not helping our relationships with our kids. And that is the most important thing. So Laura, thank you so much for coming. We will definitely swing back around with you on another podcast for sure. We love what you're doing. We love that you're on the front lines saving kids every day. I'm trying. Well, we just want to encourage you just to keep going with this very bold message because we have to have a bold message. Without a bold message, we're all going to perish. It's not going to work. We have to have a bold message. And Screen Strong is here to provide that community. Laura, you are a big part of that community and you're a big part of that message and getting out the mission of Screen Strong. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Everyone, thank you for listening today. We value your time and your interest. And we get a lot of positive feedback about our podcast, but it's definitely not all we have to offer. And just like Laura and I were talking about just now, we have to have a community built. It is very, very important to have a community. When you're going through anything in your life where you're having to make changes, it's very difficult to be successful if you don't have a community of people. That is our mission over here. And that is my personal goal is to create a community for you, specifically for you. And I do this because I remember the pain that we went through um, as a family when we were trying to struggle through this and I had nobody to talk to. I had nobody that understood what was happening. And so our Screen Strong community is there for you. We have these solutions 
already that are in place that have worked time and time and time again, like we mentioned just now, our online course, but we also have this new membership platform. It's our connect area. It's a subscription platform where you come in and we have webinars and we just can go into a deep dive with you with Q and A's with other physicians like Dr. Stacy, and I'm sure Laura can even come in there and other counselors can come in there and help with the webinars that we're going to be doing that we're going to really meet your need. I am not about putting band-aids on this. I'm all about getting it fixed from the core and really getting parents to feel like they have made the changes that they need to make. But again, you can't make these changes without this community. So hop over to our website, go to screenstrong.org, go over there, look at what we have to offer. We have a free version, but the the forum. Um, it is a non-social media forum that lives on our site. And that's where we will be doing, we're just getting it started, but we'll be doing a ton of webinars in there. We also have a lot of content in there. You can go watch workshop videos that we have done. There are films in there. There's a lot of other content in there that you will be very interested in. We also have a 30-day challenge in there as well. So we will help you take your kids off this thing for 30 days to get started. Because again, you need some instructions. It's really hard. And the part two of our course also gives you the lifestyle portion of the course where we talk about how to live the screen strong lifestyle, because there are so many people talking about the problem. We wanted to be the ones to have the solution to give you all the practical tips and all of the the real ways that this is going to happen in your home. Because right now, if you're listening, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I would love to be screen strong. I would love to take away these toxic screens from my kids, but how do I do it? And that's where we come to bat for you. And we know exactly how it works. And we do have a lot of counselors and trained physicians and therapists in our group. So our group is very medically based. We know exactly what we're doing over here. So what is your homework, right? To go to our site and sign up for one of the community levels. The next thing is to get the course. Please get the course. The course is cheaper than even like a, a counseling session. And, and you'll have lifetime access to that, that you can even have your kids sit down and look at parts of this with you. Get your spouse on board. Get a few friends. If you could find three or four friends to do the course, like a book club, and go through this together, that is probably the best gift that you can give your kids is to help them find a few friends to be screen strong with them. Please rate and share this podcast with at least five friends today. This is how we're getting our word out. And it is um, coming up on the end of the year. Please consider Screen Strong for your end of year donations and giving. We are a 501c3 organization and we operate solely on the support of people like you who care about this mission like we do. Remember, we have your back and we are here to help you figure it all out. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong. Mm-hmm.